Here yeah. we go. Hey everybody, Good morning. welcome to a special roll call edition of Like the Street Photography Collective. Um, it's going to be a big one. We got John Hendrick, Chaz, Knox Birdie, Preston, Tony Diaz, CJ and Don Stevie. They muted me for a little while. Uh, we're expecting more people to join. Uh, and as they do... This is this should be fun. It's the first time I've done this large scale. When I say it's worldwide, it is literally worldwide. We got Knox over there in Australia. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Japan. We got some people in England right now, and then the rest of you guys are in the states. So I want to say thank you and welcome to the show. Uh, just because of the amount of people we have in here, uh, the conversations, you know, they're going to kind of be cramped in so uh i just say kind of like talk and then let someone else kind of respond to what we say so um no set agenda no set time limit we're just here to talk about photography and anything else so thanks again for everybody that's listening everybody that's gonna come everybody who doesn't sorry they couldn't make it and yeah here we go um so we're gonna start from this side of the world going down to the far end. So, uh, Knox, go ahead. Floor is yours for a little while. Talk, introduce yourself for those you haven't met. Uh, good day, everyone. My name's Knox Birdie. I'm, I'm here. It's 2 a.m. in Sydney, Australia at the moment. Uh, I'm not out on the street shooting. I'm drinking beer in my dark room. Um, <laughs> I've been working on some photos tonight. Uh, just trying to stay awake. That's that's pretty much it. Um, if I haven't met you before, my sort of thing is kind of like, I suppose it's kind of a street thing. I do a lot of stuff on film and a lot of stuff kind of, you know, a lot of print, print making and that sort of thing. Cool. Nice to meet you, bro. Nice yes, to meet you. Nice to meet you. Next time I'm in Melbourne, I may need to come down to come over to Sydney and see you. I'm down in Melbourne in a few weeks, man. I'll uh, see if we can hook up. Well, I've been coming for for nine years straight prior to prior to the pandemic. So I uh, sports photographer cover cover tennis mostly. So I'm always there for the Australian Open for the last nine years prior to the pandemic. So cool. Yeah, he's got some really great film shots um i don't know how how you do your multiple exposures but i'm always watching your instagram videos and how you develop the most interesting thing i've seen definitely unique uh, everybody knows who i am so i'm gonna skip myself and then we'll go to adam you can go ahead and unmute yourself uh, and then yep oh hi everyone uh thanks for Invite me to join in the chat today. Um, I'm Adam. I'm in London. It's uh, it's gone 3 p.m. here, so not quite uh, as painful as uh, <laughs> early early in the morning for you guys. By the way, um, I'm I, I, yeah. What, what time did you say it was? Like 2 a.m. or something? 2 a, 2 a.m. in Sydney, guys. So I'm if I start fading and I'm falling asleep right here on the on the table, that's why. <laughs> Hopefully, the beer keeps you up. 
<laughs> should. Um, well, I've been. I'm a street photographer in London. Uh, my Instagram name is Check My Bad Self. Uh, it's a stupid uh, name I've had for a while. I think um, it came from the, the I think like late nineties. There was a comedy show in the UK called um, uh, I, uh, I can't remember the name of it. But some guy had a catchphrase, and the original Xbox came out, and I had to make an account, so I just used that as my name. And then basically it just stuck with me and I've never had the inspiration to change it to anything and it's just uh, <laughs> what I've become known as now. <clears throat> All right. We'll wait for CJ and Steve to come back. Next one. Chaz, go ahead. I'm Chaz Neal from Washington, D.C. Well, just outside of Washington, D.C. And uh, actually professional sports photographer. Uh, but I've been shooting with Leica a little off and on for a little bit. Some street stuff, some fashion stuff, uh, back backstage hair and makeup fashion stuff, probably when I really started using it. And uh, as well as um, now on the street, doing just doing some projects, some self-projects here in the city. And uh, just, just love Leica. have always loved it for quite some time. There you go. So, so that's it. Tony. Hi guys, I'm I'm Tony. Uh, I'm in Chicago, and it's uh, it's 9 a.m. here, so it's, it's it's not bad at all. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, thank you for thank you for inviting me to this. Uh, I I've, I've been shooting. Uh, I've been doing photography for uh, about uh, 15 years now, and um, but with like I've 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 only been using for uh, about. Uh, just a just a little over a year. I got my first like a uh, my my and my only like a um, last year in January. Um, but I I I mean even when I started doing photography, that's that's like the photographs that I that I really liked were the ones that uh, I mean I hadn't realized that moment, but it was it was images that were photographed with a, with a Leica. So uh, arriving to a Leica now it's it's, it's been pretty awesome. And I do all types of photography. Uh, I do street photography, um, but mainly um, lately I've, j- I've been doing more events and, and weddings with that, with, and I and I do it with my Leica. Yeah. Great, thank you. Cool. <laughs> Welcome, Greg. Uh, I'm expecting more people. Come Morning, sir. Yeah, I'm late. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know this, we're you're, you're right on time, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Coincidentally. Me and Tony are actually from the same neighborhood. Never met each other. What? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a weird story. We Bunch of thugs. <laughs> yeah. So uh, his, once I upload his conversation. It's such a small world. It is. Uh, and all connected through common similarities, like a street photography. Yeah. Uh, so John Hendrick, uh, now you're next. Oh, what's up, guys? Hey, John Hendrick. I'm a New York City native, stuck in Texas. Not too bad, but it's kind of small. Um, I've been shooting, I don't know, a long time. Uh, I do basically what we all do, I think. In, in some regards, the street photography is kind of my thing. Uh, thanks to uh, our boy down there in the corner and his... Um, episode with Ricky, I've kind of tried to uh, narrow my focus more on like, um, I don't know, just having more meaning or 
documentary kind of work now. So as of this year, that's kind of what I've been doing. So if you follow me on Instagram, uh, it's real easy. It's Jay Hendrick and then underscore photo. Uh, you'll see that like I haven't been posting much because I'm being really selective and trying to capture like more genuine moments. So that's it out here in San Antonio. It's not too bad. It's nine o'clock in the morning. Sorry, Australia. We keep pinging you with that. <laughs> Don't worry. That's, it. that's all I got. Morning guys. Preston, you're next. Hey, uh, uh, I'm Preston Utley. Uh, I'm, I'm out here in Denver, Colorado. It's 8 a.m. Uh, I've been shooting for a while. Shoot mostly black and white and uh, a lot of film. Last year I uh, did a project where I shot uh, a roll of 36 exposure every day for a year. And uh, uh Developed up to roll 188, so uh, here's a few more that I'm going to do today, and uh, uh, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. For anyone it's crazy who doesn't know how difficult it is to shoot a roll of film a day with like actual meaning, I got a roll in my camera for like two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Same>. <laughs> Same, same. That's that's pure dedication. Though. He's been doing it for a while. And I, I just want to know, did you finish developing most of the roles you had in your drawer from the last time we spoke? Uh, I'm I'm halfway through developing what I shot for the year. So, yeah, I'm halfway through. I've got uh, 188 more to go. What, what film did you shoot? Same or just uh, it up? I kept it uh, consistent with HP five, yeah. Uh, push push to eight hundred, um, just for you know that extra stop and a little bit of grain and stuff. But uh, yeah, and used various cameras, uh, a lot of M seven, uh, but also some point and shoot stuff, Ricoh GR and this little Contax TVS and things. Yeah, yeah. In bulk ro- rolling. I did. Yeah. At first I was buying, uh, you know, bricks of film, but that got expensive really quick, especially like last year, you know, like film prices kept rising and rising. Even bulk rolls were getting like ridiculous. Yeah. They they wrote like $30, like between the first roll roll and the last roll that I bought. But yeah, I was bulk loading and I was even, I was even like going to my, uh, local camera shop and just taking canisters, uh, in canisters, yeah, and reloading the film in there. But yeah, had the bulk load for sure. That's a lot of film. Yeah. Amazing, an amazing project. Yeah, Greg, you're next, and then we'll just we'll start oh. after. Cool, cool. Um, I'm Greg Hadden. I uh, live in Los Angeles and also Hawaii. I'm in Los Angeles now as I'm on a uh, an assignment that's going to go until the middle of March, then back to the island to do some stuff over there. Um, been shooting photography since I was a child. I mean, so I said this a lot of times, but it started with um, just you know looking at photo albums as a kid and being amazed at like photo albums in general, like the stories that were in them. Um, and then finding the camera and seeing that that's what 
created the images that were in the books. So I just wanted the camera with me or around me and shot one whenever I got a chance to. And, you know, through the years, it graduated. And um, now it's pretty much like I try to shoot every day. I mean, I'm not shooting a roll of film every day. <laughs> you know, but I, I love to do, um, I love to look at photography. Um, I've seen, a, I've seen work of a lot of you guys on here and it's pretty like humbling to be in the midst of, uh, such great, you know, artists. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited about it. I love sharing. I love to contribute to, to the, to the process. And that's, that's what I'm here to do today. So thanks for having me. Oh yeah. Thanks for joining. So, uh, again, thank you all for joining, uh, Feel free to talk about anything you want to ask each other, questions, by all means. Um, this is kind of why I wanted to do this, because as you can see, this is global. <laughs> it's not just one region. Um, I do want to start off with saying, like, recently I've been, you know, working with someone to make, help me make my photos stronger, and uh, I've been just kind of, like, focusing on... The literature part of photography, learning how to like mentally see it, if it makes sense. So I've been uh, carrying my little book around, and I'll, I'll open it up for you guys, and, and I'll share. Like I don't fill these things up too often, but you could see this one's getting to work. Like I think I'm halfway done with it. So this is all from like other master photographers. Um, just through conversations and advice that they give me. But I want to know for everybody out there, like, beside me, who else does this, right? Like, for me, I take photography really serious, so uh, I'm trying to perfect my craft, right? I know I'll, when I say that, I'm not going to be the best in the world, right? That's not my goal. I just want to be the best that I can be. So uh, who out there does something similar? Try to study and learn photography to... Um, Improve, not just visually, but you know, like I said, mentally through literature, through conversations. Bro, I just did it with uh, Greg, like, and all stemming from you and your episodes. Like that's how I met him, and shortly after the last group chat we had, I had uh, I'd put together a real rough like little portfolio, and I asked him if I could send it to him, and he he looked at it, and you know, he gave me his two cents and and everything, and so. Yeah, I, I'm doing it. I'm trying to, at least, you know, in any form or fashion. So, whatever, whatever pushes me forward. So, anybody else? Like, uh, sorry, I think uh, photo books are like a big part of the learning curve for me. I think um, sometimes before I go out, I'll have like a flick through something in London or somewhere I'm going to shoot. It's a, get the ideas and inspiration flowing. But I think if you don't, if you don't like um, be inspired or like learn from some of the before, like some of the greats or these amazing books that have been issued, I think, you know, you're, uh, you're really going to be holding yourself back. I think it's probably one of the best things you can do to progress your, your photography. I think if you go out by yourself, obviously having a lot, a lot of time out and it's great for like practice. I think, uh, there's so learn from photo books to kind of develop your not just the technical side of things. I I completely agree. Yeah. Okay. I no no you go ahead go ahead. 
I completely agree on on photo books. That's that's what I I do. I, I mean, I I I think I have to be better about things. And probably I'd, I'd love to also keep a notebook and uh, and take notes as I go along taking photos. But um, but photo books is one thing I I, I do. And, uh, and sometimes it's just the same books that I've had. I just go over them a, a couple a couple other times, and and it really refreshes my 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 thoughts and my ideas on photography. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I think that you're um, right in saying that, <clears throat> or I agree with the whole idea of having photo books as being part of the story to help you grow. I mean, because we're seeing, you know, the work of people that are either older now or maybe, maybe our contemporaries, but it's cool to see um, the work that came before us and then to realize that we're literally doing that same work right now and, and stepping into the fact that we are doing that and we can do that and you know offer something for whoever's coming after us that piece is you know it's like understanding you know why we're doing what we're doing in the first place is kind of exciting i guess and um you know just building something like fully in the art and 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 offering it to the world i mean i think there's an importance in that yeah, and I'm sorry, let me add real quick, the podcast too, I really love the podcast, I, I get to listen to to so many great people, some of you guys, uh, I've, I've, it's, it's inspiring, and that also, that helps a ton, I, I've actually, uh, I'm on all of them, I think, well, the exception of the one came out yesterday, but going over them again, because I'm like, oh, okay, this and the, the, I mean, it's all, it's, it's, hmm. it's, really healthy for, for photography. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been loving these podcasts. Uh, I actually, I listened to the one that you guys had, the, it was like the three hour one, like, um, <laughs> last week or about a little over a week ago. Yeah. I remember I was shoveling the snow and I, was, I, I like finished shoveling, like it had, it's, it's snow, like 10 inches here in Chicago and I finished shoveling. And I'm like, and the podcast was still going. I was like, <laughs> it was, yeah, but it was so good. The conversation was so good. And I know I think of you, I, I think a couple of times they're like, oh, it's, it's going long or so, but I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> Just keep going, guys. It was it's such a great, it's so, it's so great listening to uh, all the experiences you guys had with, with, with your cameras and so. And it's, it's really, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved it. It's so helpful. Kind of piggyback off of what everyone else has said in terms of um, always continuing to, uh, I, I like to say, either exercise the muscle, that muscle being the creative muscle, uh, whether it's composition, exposure. But, you know, looking at photo books, whether it's some of your, your own favorite photographers from the past, and God knows we, we all have quite a few, um, I personally get a lot of inspiration also from the guys in the community, people in the community, because there's some creative women out there also. Um, but people that are shooting on, you know, seeing photographers on Instagram and stuff like that. Uh, I, I just really, really, really get inspired. And it's the whole thing is, you know, they say there's nothing new under the sun at the same time. It's, it's you know, to see someone capture something, a little bit differently than you might do uh, or open up your mind or open up our creativity to look at it from a different realm. And I, I really, really appreciate that. This community, for me, I kind of stumbled across this podcast uh, and then I, t- 
Then I turned John onto it. I turned Eric onto it. And now it's kind of snowballed. And so I, I just listened to it, not knowing that I would be asked to do a podcast. I'm like, oh, I, I didn't want to do this. But at the same time, it's just the creativity, the sharing, well, the sharing of information and experiences. Uh, I just really think it's real, real cool and, and to kind of be open to that. And again, it's, I would also say, I know we talk a lot about the older photographers and getting stuff from them, but man, there's a lot of creative young kids out here and I, you know, they can look at stuff in a way that we might have never looked at uh, or thought about. So there's, there's just creativity all out here. So just to kind of always see and visualize and exercise the creative and visual muscle. That's, that's just, I think, a wonderful thing. Yeah. So I, I, I want to come back to the, the more Absolutely. modern photographers, uh, but I would like to hear from, from Knox and, and Preston on pretty much that same topic we've been speaking on. Yeah, I, I think I agree with everyone, what everybody's saying. Like, look, the more you get stuff, the more literate you become. And, you know, I think also looking at, at art outside of photography is really important as well because you can get into a bit of a rut of just looking at the same types of photographers and it sort of feeds, feeds the same thing. And if you want to be creative, I think going into the past, into painting and in literature is, I don't know, I think you can get ideas from those areas. Um, and I think somebody touched on getting feedback from others. You know, one of the, I, I see one of the problems with Instagram is just too nicey-nicey sometimes. And sometimes you, you got to find somebody that you trust, you know, to kind of rip your photos apart as well. Otherwise, you can, uh, you can start giving yourself a pat on the back sometimes. It's just because you've got a bunch of gold stars and it's not necessarily. <laughs> like, right? Gold stars being like. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's going to be the title of this podcast. And it's, uh, you know, we're, I think of, you know, like, dark working in, you know, working in community dark rooms, like, people are pretty brutal about each other's photos, and it was a bit competitive, but you learned a lot doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's true. That, that's one of the, the we always have Instagrams like everyone's highlight reel. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you, you, you only get to Absolutely. see, like, the best of the best, like everybody's always at the beach or always like with the perfect body. Um, but it, it's right. I mean, my mentor, like I took this really cool picture the other day. I was like really pumped up about it. And I just said to him and he came back and just ripped it apart. Like the first, like not even a, like, Hey, how you doing? He just ripped me. And I was like, I was like, like shrinking the whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, like, why are you wasting memory on my phone? Stop sending me this stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, but I mean, I think there's a value in it. You know, like, I mean, it's coming from love, especially if you know who you're talking to and you had that kind of community, like, to, to actually, like, have a conversation where, you know, we're not always right and we have to be correctable, right? So um, I think that those two points are very, very true. And, you know, it's, it's good to have a space to talk to people and share ideas and, and learn. You know, cool. I, think I get excited and calm down. Point that you make with you know you got your mentor looks at your photo and um, and rips it apart and you you think it's great. You took the photo over there 
And, um, and sometimes I do this myself when a photo is really hard to get, you start to get attached to it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's great. Um, and you almost need that objective observer from the outside to look at it and tell you what it actually is. Yeah. Perspective. Yeah, I, I that, that's kind of the conversation that I had uh, with, with Ricky about about things. But that's one of the things I really miss uh, uh, when I used to take classes, photography classes in, in, in college. Is that it's that, uh, um, that that you don't have that? Uh, I mean, you don't have the critiques. You don't you don't have somebody like looking back at your photos and telling you like this, this is what works or this is what what doesn't. And um, I, I, that's really healthy, I think, for for one's photography because one could go years down the line without having a critique and then you, and you think your work is amazing, but, uh, it, it's just okay. Or, or, or not only that, but it, it could, it could always be better, I think. And, um, and sometimes you need somebody, somebody else's perspective on, on things. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I did want to hear from, from Preston cause he's actually, he self publishes a lot of photo books and his work is really cool. great for anyone who hasn't seen it. So I, I would, Highly recommend you uh, checking them out and supporting them. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, I, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with all all this. I mean, I, I certainly find uh, inspiration through uh, uh, photography books and sort of books about photographers, or you know, collections of interviews with various photographers. Uh, uh, YouTube stuff, you know, in particular, I really enjoy, uh, Alex Soap's, uh, channel. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's totally important to have like somebody, uh, a group of people that, that, that you can show your work with and that are gonna, you know, give you, give you honest feedback. And, and once you're out of school, it gets harder to do that. And it's good to have somebody at least, you know, maybe that you, yeah, like a mentor that you respect or at least somebody that kind of uh, uh, maybe speaks a similar language and Knox is totally right in that like, yeah, sometimes you're working so hard on a picture that you just hope, you kind of hope that it works out more than it actually worked out a lot of times, you know. Um, and especially, especially, you know, I think that can be problematic when you're working digitally because you can kind of see that right away. On one hand, you get to see it right away and, and work up, work it a bit harder. But on the other, you 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 get that instant feedback and maybe think you have it when you don't. Um, but all that's to be said too. I think it's important to work on like projects so you know where this piece fits in. Uh, uh, you know, where, where your work fits in with, with other pieces you've made. Cause if you're just sort of collecting portfolio pieces, one offs, you know, you're not really such other than look at this crazy picture I found or, or made. Um, I think, you know, your individual like experience adds to the photo itself and adds to the project itself. So, what you can bring to the table, uh, really how people interpret your images and interpret your projects or your work. So, uh, the more vulnerability you can, the more vulnerable you can be with like how you make your work and, and what you're working on. I think the more, 
it, it just adds to your photographs even more. It adds to your projects even more. Um, so, yeah. So I, I just finished watching a like a conversation. It's kind of an older one, but the photographer was Arthur Meyerson. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with him. I would recommend everybody listen to this like a conversation on YouTube and actually listen to the things he says. It, it was it was probably one of the most like inspiring videos I've seen on YouTube where I was just soaking in all the I had to keep pushing pause because like I said, I write this stuff down and his like a conversation particularly I I probably <laughs> got the most out of it. It was like an hour long and it was just, I felt like it was taking the, I was in school and it was one of the best videos I saw. Uh, so um, Arthur Meyerson, he's a, his work is amazing. He's got really good, like, just check him out. Um, but I do want to get onto where someone mentioned modern photographers. I believe that was you, Chaz. Uh, and I do have to retract a statement of mine I made early on in the podcast. Uh, I kind of said, I still stand by it, but I see it. My opinion is changing more and more now that I'm I'm actually searching and I'm swimming and I'm trying to absorb all this beautiful art. Um but the statement I made was, I don't feel modern photographers would ever reach the level of skill, the old masters and the, like, you know, the master photographers we grew up on. And now I'm seeing, like Chad said, a lot of amazing creatives out there. So I do have to say my opinion is changing daily. So thank you for all the creative people. Um, see? We all can change. Uh, but how do everyone else that's participating now, how do you feel about that? Pretty much what I just said, like. Old... Well, I think that like the, the, the thing of it is, is that like, uh, for the most part, photography takes a long, long, long time to get really good at. So like find your own personal visual language takes most photographers a decade at least. And so uh, most, you know, most people that are really recognized in, 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 in the photo land and the art world are, you know, middle-aged and older. There's a few younger people that like break out and stuff, but those are, those are like rare exceptions. And that's why you hear about them because they're rare. You don't like, you don't hear about the guy who's been grinding it and gets a book at 60 or whatever. It's like, Oh, you know, it's like, the 20 something that, you know, all around Kanye or, or whatever, you know, I think that like, I think that you're sort of right in, in, in saying that Ricky, but it's just, I think it's just that like, it takes so long in, in photography to really like separate yourself from what everybody else is doing to really like come up with a signature style, you know, like, mm -hmm. That's something that uh, Chuck Close, uh, uh, artist and photographer, said that like photography is the easiest mediums to master, 
to have a definable, recognizable style is, is what makes photography so challenging. It's so easy to accidentally get a good picture and you can accidentally get so many pictures, but to really like truly come up with like, uh, your own personal vision and style is, is, is what is, is what takes and it's why there might not be as, you know, as many modern day masters as, as, as there are old masters because there's so many people doing it now. So to truly like stand out or, uh, so many elements have to come together, not only your style, but what you're trying to say or approach mm-hmm. and who you're, you know, who you're photographing and why and how. And, um, so I think there's plenty of potential and opportunity for great photographers to still emerge, but I think it's more difficult than it was 60 years ago or whatever. Yeah. I actually like to think back on that one too, because it, I think you have the fact that it is kind of like, finding a needle and a stack of needles nowadays. Like, you know, everybody has a camera and everybody's doing this thing. But back in the day when you were talking about a photographer, I feel like to be a photographer, you were like actually in the practice of photography, like in the dark room, you were like, your life was like dedicated. That was what you did. And um, nowadays that the, the title photographer is loosely applied to people with people that, that don't have that kind of dedication. You know what I mean? And that's not to say that that type of dedication doesn't mean, you know, like there's, there's people out there now that are doing the work. Um, and you know, to, to backpress enough, it's going to take time. It does take time to, to get that kind of understanding and vision and language and all that kind of stuff baked into your work so that it comes out. I mean, everybody on this call has been shooting longer than, you know, then we've known each other. We've been shooting longer than the podcast has, you know, come up. You know, we've been shooting forever. And maybe we're just now getting recognition, you know, or just not really recognition, but just not being seen by community. Like, it takes a long time. And you can kind of um, parallel it to some martial arts. I trained Cap as an Afro-Brazilian martial art and very notorious for being a, a long process to graduate through there's just 11 stages but you know i've been training for 12 years and i'm only like three quarters of the way through but we're in on the other side of it you have um like karate and you can get a black belt in like a year and a half or two years or something like that so does that make them a master it, you know it, it's like a different look at how we're doing things but i mean there's plenty of people that um I think if they stay the course, they're going to be great. You know, I think that's what the only rule is staying the course, you know. And, you know, you find people all the time. Like, Knox, I even talk about you specifically because I've seen your work. And I was like, I mean, I'm going to quit. <laughs> like, it's like, I was like, Jesus. I, mean, I found your page on Instagram. And Instagram is like, you know, accessible at times. And I just was going through it and I saw this photography and I was like, what is this stuff? And I was like, okay, there we go. Like, it was one of the things that like pumped me up about it. So, you know, there's, there's people out there that just either haven't been seen widely celebrated enough or just, um, you know, are just quietly doing their thing, you know, and, and that's what's exciting about the new breed. Cause we're going to pop up in a pretty interesting way. For those I appreciate that, that, man, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, it's real life, dude. Real life. 
Chaz. I kind of I want to piggyback. I'm piggyback on what Preston said as well as, as Greg is. I I believe that a part of it is, and I'm trying to kind of regurgitating what the both of them said, but um, I think the the as we call them the old masters, if you will, you know, back back then. Uh, well, right now, it's just, it's a satur- it's saturated. Everyone wants to be a photographer, you know, whether it's, you know, even stay away from the iPhone stuff like that or camera phones. But even if, uh, you know, there's more cameras available with more people into the industry or want to be into the industry, whereas is back in the day, uh, I think some of the, some of the, the shooters that we really, really revere and and I wouldn't say idolize, but just we you know really prop up. It wasn't they weren't as plentiful, and those and I think say some of those guys and women they had an opportunity to uh, to to do a lot of different type of work, which, which helped them uh, kind of either build their style, their portfolio, make their imprint, uh, and things like that now I mean like you said we have guys out here guys and ladies out grinding but because there's there's not there's so much saturation and probably I could be wrong I don't think photography maybe is as a medium is looked at and appreciated as it once was but I do think that it's it's now coming back into a to a fold where people really appreciate it and appreciate yeah. the type of whether it's street photography, documentary photography, and things like that. But I still don't think that um, as a whole, or maybe all of us, you know, kind of find an I'll say a niche or a community or or avenue that allows it to to be shown a little bit more because and I think. On our end, maybe we need we look for that or try to define where those avenues are because before if you, you you had your whether it was Magnum was Life and once some of those whether it's Gordon Parks or uh, uh, Mary Ellen Marks and, and people like that Brisson you know when they got in those those A list magazines it put them on a global stage. And but we don't we don't have life anymore. Number one, and then some of the the agencies, if you will, uh, they're you know giving out those A list assignments and stuff like that, or backing projects. It, it, it's harder for us to get there. They're not as plentiful now, and and part of that is because of a saturation of our industry too. We all rely on Instagram. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think, uh, I don't know, I think, I can't remember if it was Preston, but I also, from a creative standpoint, I also believe really, if looking outside of um, photography for art and stuff as well, gives us great, well, it gives me great inspiration. I'm a huge Picasso fan, a huge Basquiat fan, uh, so, you know, kind of seeing those kinds of things and, and putting those into your process, it's it can open us creatively as well. For me, I think one of the crazy, I think one of the things I noticed from people and just outside looking in, cause it happens to me too, is um, 
I think we get so influenced by everybody that it's hard to read all these books, watch all these things, watch documentaries, watch movies, uh, conversations where everybody talks about the same masters. And then it's hard to, I think the, the tipping point for the guys that really break out is to take all that in and then you kind of got to dismiss it and like find your own way. Like those guys that managed to like absorb all that and then somehow retain bits and pieces, but still like find their own path is I think a big differential. You know, I think a lot of people will find one artist or one photographer that they like, and they kind of try to mimic that. And then you just become one of 700,000 people doing the same, you know, yeah. style, for lack of better words. And, uh, I think what I'm doing now, thanks to Greg and Preston just kind of hit in the head. And I just want to say it one more time because it's, it's been a little bit since he said it, but, um, and it's working for me is you really, I really think the tipping, the tipping point for me, the catalyst for me moving forward now is a project is project. Like, I think you, you set yourself on one thing and you shoot that every time you can and, and you focus on whatever that is. And then you look at all those images that you've taken for that specific theme or whatever. And you'll, me and uh, Ricky were just talking about it. I sent him a couple of pictures of something I'm working on. And, um, He's like, yeah, do this, do that. This is what I think. And, um, <clears throat> and I was thinking the same thing. Cause as you look at something, let's say it's a cup, you know, you, you shoot a cup of coffee every day. You, you're going to be like, okay, how can I change that? You know, how can I change that perspective? How can I do more with it? And by virtue of that, you, you kind of push yourself, you know, and I'm, I'm finding myself like, okay, I can only take this image so many ways. Like I really have to get either closer or, or more engaged with the moment. So I, I see it growing and it's growing faster than I think any other way. Uh, so I just wanted to piggyback on that. Cause I, I really took that to heart when Preston just said it, like, you know, find, find a project, stick to it. And, and I that pays dividends now. Yeah. There was, um, really quickly, there was a, um, a conversation that I had with the people at Leica and it was kind of like our first, like, interaction to like use work. They wanted to feature some of my work on their Instagram and I was like blown away, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you know, the conversation went like, you know, we have a lot of, everybody knows who Leica is and we have a lot of, you know, photographers that people know like from the older traditions and some newer ones, but we, we need to keep fostering more talent. Obviously every company continue, you know, with their, with their skills and their client base and all that. So they're like, we're looking for artists all over the place and we like what you're doing and we want to talk to you about it and do some features and stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, if you guys are looking for people, there's tons of photographers that I could like point you towards, you know, just, you know, there's, there's a lot. Like they don't you know, a ton of fucking, but, um, <laughs> but I said that and the response that came back was pretty awesome. And I didn't expect to hear this from a company in general, but from specifically from like it, like it made me respect them so much more. And they say, well, yeah, we appreciate that. We'd like to see it, but you know, we understand that anybody can make a good picture, but we really want to see who is taking a picture, what they're about. What are the pictures actually saying? That's what we're after. The technical side of it, anybody can choose anything and it can be technically right and all that, but we want to know what it's really about and who you are and what you're trying to say. And we like what you're saying. So that's why we contacted you. And I was like, I was like, that's 
probably the best response from a company that I've ever heard in my life. You know what I mean? I was like, thank you. You know, that's to your point right there, Johnny. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of people, there's a lot of saturation, but I think that that authenticity can bleed through, um, not just in the work, but in your person. And that, that's what I think the community and the world needs to see more of right now. You know, I, 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 I've had a, that, that's, that's, I'm not surprised that like a responded like, like that. I, I, I've, uh, I've, my, my only interaction with them was when I purchased my camera. Well, and then sometime after I, I, uh, I was uh, interested in, uh, I live in Chicago and there's, there was, there's no like official like, like a store. There's Tamarkin, which is amazing. But I, I didn't know it then. Um, but uh, I reached out. I emailed them. All right, called them first, and then and then they and I asked them. Uh, I wanted to check out the SL two and see if it was. Uh, told them like I'm nowhere near any of your stores. Um, I, I'd like to check one out because I know that they run them to you there at the store. Yeah. Uh, uh, like they sent one out to me. Like uh, they told me to write them an email, and they they sent one out to me like within like three days. And they even asked me how long I needed it for, and I was so like. I was like, I'm like, well, I don't know, however long you guys want. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I was just, I, I was so excited. Uh, just let me keep it for like two weeks. And then not only that, but like, I missed like the day too. Like I was, I was like a day late returning. I was so scared, but it was so cool about things. And that's like, I don't think there's many companies. Like, I mean, there's a lot of like people that are like, Oh, you shoot with like a, like that's a like, story. Yeah. And everyone should reach out. I mean, if they are, you guys, I mean, maybe like is going to be like, okay, he's telling our secret, but really, I mean, you're blacklisted. But like, if I was, if it was any other company, their response is going to be like that. They're going to look for the one for the one great photo that, that someone's taken, and then they're going to want to showcase that. But they're not going to, um, and, I, and and this, that's nothing. It's not a wrong thing. I mean, I get companies need to advertise. And, and figure out how to how to get their their uh, their their cameras to people, but I feel like a lot of our companies, um, yeah, their response would just be like looking for a great photo, not really caring who's behind the camera taking it. And I, I, I love that, and I'm not surprised that like a responded like that and, and, and told you that 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 they, they want to know more about the people, not just the not just the photo. Yeah, uh, but if we yeah, can hear from, like from Knox and and then Adam, um, so go ahead, Knox. Um, there's two things I probably would say just based I agree with everybody saying there's a there's this great scene in in the movie Midnight in Paris and if you haven't seen it Owen Wilson he's a writer and he's you know he wants to go back and he's he's in his mind he wants to be in 1920s Paris when all the all the great writers were, were there Hey, he's he's on a, a vacation there, and he gets this opportunity. He goes into a cab, and he kind of goes back in time. He gets to hang out with Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald, and and he meets this girl, and they go dancing, and um, and he's having a great time. He's on the dance floor, and he leans over into her ear and just says, "Paris, 1920s, isn't it the best?" She stops and looks at him and says. Paris, 1920s. This is this is terrible. It was the 1880s. That was the time, right? <laughs> and and I think there's an element that we just do that. You know, we look back in time and think everything's better, and our time isn't the time. And you know, in my own opinion, I think the only time is right now, and that's the best time. 
and just yeah. create in the time we're at. Those guys back then weren't thinking about us, and they probably weren't thinking about the guys before either. They were just out shooting just like us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The other thing I'd say, I, I, I sometimes disagree that the, the past guys were better than us. I, I think there's so many people shooting now, and the access to it is so huge that to be seen at all, you have to be great. And I, I do this little test in my mind when I look at, you know, old past masters and their photos. And I think if they were hanging out on Instagram right now, what they say, Absolutely not. Doodly noted. <laughs> That's hilarious and accurate. <laughs> Ansel Adams would have like, have like a hundred followers. It makes me feel better with my count. You think of the greats. I love Robert Frank. I love his book. But if Robert yeah. Frank had to come up and you know try to get to his thousand follower and uh, and show his pictures in in New York, would it be the same story? I don't know. You know, it would not. It would not. Even back then, you're right. There's 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 not a lot. Technically speaking, a lot of the guys back then might have been nice in the darkroom, but like the shooting and composition wise, a lot of them would get just hammered by everybody on this call, you know? Um, <laughs> so I, I will say, because I always sing the, the praises, but Bastio Salgado is a monster. That dude was doing crazy, crazy stuff. He's my favorite photographer. I mean, yeah. dude, but that's true. And the great, like the, the cream always rises to the top, right? In any era. Yeah. And, you know, if, you, if you're great, you're great. You stand out. You know, it's, it's, you know, you take great athletes of the past and they were, you know, running or swimming slower times, but they had worse technology. But, you know, you take a Jesse Owens into the modern era, he's still going to be bloody Jesse Owens and probably kick everybody's ass. Yeah, true. Yeah. Absolutely. Adam, what, what do you have on, on the topic of old versus modern? Uh, well, I think it's, uh, I think everyone's made some very good points. Sometimes I think, like, um, some of these photos of the masters, I mean, I think they're all, they're all pretty brilliant, to be honest, but there's definitely an element of like nostalgia there. And I wonder if some of the contemporary photographers today, what if they are at that level now, because we're looking at it now and it's contemporary, maybe like in 50, 70 years time, when you look back at those photos, you'll have a similar feel to some of the masters that we, that were like from 70 years ago. Um, also, I do wonder like, what's the cutoff point from contemporary and the non-contemporary, like is Alex Soft, and like Matt Stewart, I assume would be contemporary. Like, is there like a? I'm not sure exactly where the cutoff point is. Are we still practicing or not practicing? Yeah. But I think like um, one of one thing which I think the Masters had, which we don't, is coded chrome images. And I just look at those hmm. photos sometimes, and it's just like. <laughs> yeah. mm. uh, but we got something like you know, an M10. better so in the past. We're good. Yeah, that's a joke, by the way. You have no films. You can make it look like Cody Chrome. Yeah, I want to say thanks here for joining us. Um, This is a very great friend of mine. He lives in uh, um, Belgium, correct? Belgium, Belgium. Mm, Good afternoon, Ricky. World tour, everyone. Uh, Everybody, this is here. Here, that's (laughs) quickly. John, Chaz, Knox, Preston, Tony, Greg, Um, and Adam. (laughs) So welcome. Uh, We are discussing uh, older generation photographers versus newer modern day photographers. If you would like to um, chime in and give us your your feelings on the topic. 
Okay, I'm not prepared at the moment. Uh, yeah, I just arrived. No one understanding is. Don't worry. I'm I'm still at the office. I'm still working. That was the the thing that I couldn't show in this podcast today. But I tried. I have some five minutes over, so I tried to join the podcast. Yeah, from uh, all the photographers, of course, Henri Cartier-Bresson uh, was an important uh, uh, example for me. Uh, I liked the work that he did uh, very much, especially the black and white. Uh, I had all black and white street photography, so uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know if it's that what you want to hear. Uh, <laughs> well, no, uh, it's, it's whatever you want. We were just wondering how you feel uh, versus mm-hmm. like the modern day photographers, how they compare to Henry Cartier-Bresson. Yeah, there's a lot of modern photographers who look up and try to uh, uh, imitate. Ali, imitate is not a correct word, but I don't know if you uh, know Rui Palia from Portugal. Uh, he made a photo that looks uh, almost the same photo that Cartier-Bresson made in the Mercado de Belau at Porto. And there was a lot of discussion on the internet about that. And he explained that the photo was not from Cartier-Bresson, but that he made a photo many years after Cartier-Bresson, but it's not the same. So there was a big discussion about that on the on the internet. Yeah. Mm. Uh, that I remember, but there's a lot of people who look uh, to the old work of old photographers, and they I catch ideas too. Eh? When I look at all the work, we can't do the same work because the people have different clothes and there's a different lifestyle, different cars, everything. But I sometimes I look at all the work and I how do I say it? I improvise uh, and I get new ideas that I can photograph today yeah okay yeah. so uh i guess i had a, a question um yeah i okay i know I, I wanted to allow you guys to now ask like anything that was on your mind like mine was that old versus new so if there was something you you guys really felt strongly about you wanted to share and, and you want to get some more um i guess feedback some uh yeah interactions uh, go ahead here i got something to interact with just to, to follow up with adam was saying um <clears throat> about when that cutoff was like between the time that we hit modern photography and the older generation um i would argue that 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 time or that cutoff is the, uh, the inception of Instagram, you know, like before Instagram, you know, photography was kind of still obscure and, and people had to know who to look for and all that kind of stuff. And after Instagram cameras got better, um, exponentially, not because of Instagram, it's just like that marker forward. It's like, we started seeing a lot of more interaction with, with the art. What do you guys think about that? Wouldn't want to give Zuckerberg credit for anything, though. Ah. <laughs> well, he didn't start it. He didn't start it. They bought oh, that true, company. True. Right. Yeah. Exactly. The digital world changed everything. Huh? Yeah. 
Yeah. They have mm. more access to photography if you have a mobile phone with you. There's a lot of people who make uh, photos on a mobile phone. They put it on Instagram and they have a lot of followers. But uh, I don't know if it's going to be the same quality if you really print a photo on a big uh, thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a complete difference. Yeah. Completely uh, different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just found That's a new a film. Sorry. Fuji film, super slow, ISO 1.6. How do you shoot 1.6 ISO? I don't know. But when I, I go like to Tokyo, minutes. I'm going to Tokyo in a few weeks. Guess what I'm buying? Super slow. <laughs> I'm sorry to mean to interrupt you guys, but go ahead. Hey, you're going to ask. Yeah, what's, that? what's on everybody's mind? Yeah. Photography. Um, I just posted a Instagram story. It actually got a lot of traction and a lot of uh, replies. It was about Johnny Depp playing Eugene Smith in the movie called Minamata. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that. Yeah. I, I'm waiting for it to come out on Apple. But TV. MGM is censoring it. Say that's it. why they haven't been able to release. MGM was censoring it. That's why it wasn't released here. And that's why they're having trouble releasing it. So. They were censoring it for what? What happened? What, what, what because it talks about the contamination and all the stuff that was going on and how we kind of knew about it, I guess, in some form or fashion. And, you know, Eugene Smith documenting it for time and the way it all panned out. Trying not to do a spoiler alert for anybody watching or listening. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's a true story. You know, all yeah. the spoilers are out there. For yeah, it's a true story. So that's true. But. Hmm. But I don't know what they did with the movie. Even though they say it's a documentary, so it's kind of true to it, I don't know what they did with it. But so basically, Johnny Depp plays Eugene Smith. And, you know, it's, it's not based on what happened so much, but it's based on how he went about doing it and then his life after that. So that's why they say it's more of a documentary. But they filmed it like last year or 2020 or something like that. Or 2020 yeah. released in 21, and mm-hmm. they still haven't released it here. Yeah. Apple really? says they're going to release it soon, but. But you know what's a good movie? Um, I wrote it down to you because as we were talking, I wanted to say it. And since we're talking about movies, uh, In No Great Hurry. Anybody ever watch that? I'd never heard of oh. it. Nope. In No Great Hurry. It's a documentary about Sal Leiter. And it's called, it's the mm-hmm. title actually, In No Great Hurry, 13 Lessons in Life. And this guy documents okay. Sal Leiter in his later years in his apartment in New York. And it's cool in the sense that, like, not just his personality, if you've ever seen him do talks, like, you know, he never thought of himself as any major photographer or anything like that, you know? But more of, like, I don't, it's going to sound horrible, but, like, more of, like, how he was kind of, like, a hoarder-ish, kind of? Like, so he, it, while I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking of, like, Joel Marowitz, right? Like, every time you see him talk, he's, like, well-dressed, he's in, like, these amazing apartments in New York City, right? Like, great lighting and all that stuff, and he's he always looks like he's up to par. And then watching this documentary on Saul Leiter, who's just as renowned and seeing him like, just like any old man you would in, in New York in any building, just walking around and like wearing the same clothes almost. He's got, you know, slides all over the house. He's got papers, he's got books, he's got coffee cups. It's like a mess, like a complete one mess, but that's just who he was. And it's crazy to see that dichotomy, you know, and like, a, a, a well-renowned photographer that wasn't in the limelight as, or didn't put himself out there as much, but still like MoMA, you know, like he still did amazing stuff. Right. And 
it's just cool to see that. But, so if you, if you can, it's on YouTube, you can catch it on YouTube. It's, it's worth watching just for that, just for that tidbit and just to really think about like the scale of photographers, right? Like they're not all wearing cool blazers and suits and doing all these talks and sound sophisticated, right? Like, yeah. it's more of an art form, right? Sketches. It's more of like, this is what that. I put out, you know, so. <laughs> it's good. Go watch it. I, I recommend it. Right. Mm-hmm. It is duly noted. I got a question for everybody. Um, Send it. So kind of like a kid with all this kind of stuff and get really <laughs> excited about, you know, photography. And I know like when I'm shooting and I feel like I got a good picture, I get like super pumped up. Like, is that something that you guys experience too? Like you're like, <laughs> like oh man. Like, does that yes, happen to yes, you guys? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it takes me months to like my pictures, maybe even a year or so. Oh, man, I don't get that. Yeah. That's well, when, you don't, when you don't see any pictures for like a year. It's all relative in your world, bro. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm kind of the same way, bro. I'm, uh, mine are probably more spread apart than yours. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I totally, or at least the perception of what I think is good. And sometimes you see on the screen, it's just like, oh, it wasn't that good. But, yeah, I get excited when I have a good moment, a good interaction, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think we're all safe to say we probably all feel the same way. So, Greg, let me ask you a question. So, I, I do experience that sometimes, but I want to ask you: when you have that experience, is it an experience that you that you have? Uh, oh, let me. I'll back up. Does it usually happen if you've um, had an interaction? with a subject, with a person that you're photographing, or it's just something streetwise, no connection to a person. It's just whether it's lighting and stuff like that, or a little bit of both. Um, I'd say that it's going to be a little bit of both, but the majority of my work is about connection with places or people. Like I don't, I fancy myself more a documentary photographer. Like I like mm-hmm. to know people's story and, and kind of sit in it just because I've been traveling all my life and just been amazed at the different varieties of life on this planet. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, there's so many, different, there's varieties, but yeah, we're still all doing the same thing. So if I'm in Hawaii and I see kids running and jumping into the water, having a good time. And then next thing you know, you're in like France and you see kind of a similar thing or Mexico, like we're all doing the same thing. So like kind of expecting um, to find the humanity uh, of our experience and when I, I see that it's through the lens like that kind of stuff gets me pumped up because it's it's, pro- it's further proof that we're really all doing the same thing and trying to trying to enjoy our life so um, sometimes it's just connection like if I'm if I know like I'm in Los Angeles I grew up in LA so I know a certain situation and I see it and I capture it and it looks that way and then that will make me feel good but nobody knows that I caught it but then if I get in and I talk to the people like yesterday I, I picked up some um, my girlfriend's father and grandfather's cameras from a local camera repair shop and the girls that were working there were cool light came in it looked really nice they were really cool i was like you know i can make a good picture then to offer this and um i saw her there i was like hold on just stay there for a second click and i got it and as soon as i took the picture i was like that's gonna be a good one that's gonna be a good one it's gonna be a good one and i gave it to her and she was stoked you know what i mean so like it that connection is is 
I love the connection. I think uh, that's my whole thing. I just love, I love the connection. I'm glad you, and I'm glad to hear what your answer is. And I, um, having listened to your, your initial podcast, and then I think, I'm not really sure if it was on, uh, I think it was probably more so the, the initial podcast with Ricky, but, um, the thing that I like about that, and, and I'm kind of the same way, uh, I love people, uh, whether I'm doing strangers, whether I'm doing the homeless here in DC, but at the same time, um, I, I want to slow down. I want to take the time. I want to engage with them. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and because the engagement, I think enables us to have more of a, to depict more of a personal sense of connection with them. Uh, mm-hmm. I think when we, when the person, when we don't connect to our subjects, uh, the, the content sometimes, maybe not all the times can be somewhat cold or, or sterile. Maybe, um, it's, it's really humbling to me sometimes to have people say, wow, I can, you captured this person's soul and things of that nature. And that's, kind of been really new for me to hear as a feedback, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, I I guess I'm learning a little bit about that process, but also maybe a little bit about myself in terms of connecting with people and being able to capture that. So uh, when you have that exchange, or maybe it's the exchange with someone that you've had, maybe that you photographed multiple times, so there's some familiarity there, and yes, obviously great light and stuff like that. So yeah, having and being excited about that as well. And then on the flip side of that, sometimes the humbling thing is having an image that you, that at least that I've created and, you know, it not really, really feeling super, super great, but then it's received well by others. And it's mm-hmm. like, wow, you know, you have, we have the ability to create and, and it's all about what, a lot of it is subjective, but at the same time, sometimes either we're too close to something and we don't see what somebody else is seeing or being super, super hard and, uh, okay, it's okay, but I, I didn't really capture it the way I wanted to, but yeah. didn't have people really receive it. Then it's kind of like, okay, well, I know I'm really in the right ballpark for where I was trying to go. But yeah, that connection and, and getting excited about um, just some content and, and it, sometimes it's, maybe one or two images. And, and I think, I think, uh, Craig Clark, you know, sometimes I think it was a podcast, you know, he would say that he would get frustrated, you know, go out, shoot all day and not really have anything that they really, really liked. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, a being patient with ourselves and, mm-hmm. and being persistent and diligent, you know? Yeah. yeah. I feel like both of you being, uh, Sebastian Salgado, uh, both of you being Sebastian Salgado fans that, that, you find like that's the similarity because that's how I that when I when I photograph like I one of the the, the biggest things is like the connection with people and sometimes like I I don't know I, I get excited about an image and it's and I I'll look at it and it's not the greatest image but just the connection that I that I made with that with that person when I when I photograph them um that 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 makes it special for me and makes it sort of important and, and great image for for me yeah I, I feel I feel like uh that, yeah. Building building connections is, is so important. There's there's so many ways of I mean, and, and all of you know, there's so many ways of, 
of going about and, and photographing, but um, building a connection and with someone is is, is just such a such a big part of for me. Yeah, it's like for for many uh, photojournalism or documentary photographers, even when I'm photographing weddings or events, I mean. I feel like for so long, like wedding photography was looked down on. Like I was even told, like, "Oh, if you do photography, don't don't like even in school, like don't do don't say you're a wedding photographer or have a different website." But it's documentary work as well, and, yeah. uh, and it's it's, it's photojournalism. I mean, you're you're documenting people's like one of the most important days of their lives, and it's so special. And but even like when in that approach, like just building connections with people is, is, is I think, I feel like it's for me makes, makes a, a photo great. Um, and like, I mean, like I said, there's, there's, there's probably tons of other photos that, that if you, one were to look at under on, on one's, um, uh, if one were to review one's work and you'd be like, um, there's probably other photos that other people would think is are, are better, but the ones that you've made a connection with are the ones that are usually special, more special to you. So it's uh, interesting because photography at the end of the day is like it in itself is a means for us to show us to ourselves. Right. Like we can take a picture and present it to somebody else. Like I've been kind of championing that thought process. Like we're really every photographer that's ever been, you know, all the way back in the day, you know, Bresson and, and, and Sebastian and Van Ho, like all of every photographer that you can mention showed us, humanity you know what i mean like and show us the world that we live in like we're really showing ourselves showing us to ourselves that's the that's the the whole purpose of the tool you know like and i think that you know what kind of separates um the real i don't want to say real but like the true the 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 artists that are using photography as a means to communicate their own visions of what the world is uh, as opposed to people who are just using them as playthings, you know, we all know people who have cameras that take, you know, they're like toys, you know, we have this and, you know, I can take a good picture, but there's no meaning in, there's no connection. It's very detached. That's something but, that I'm, I'm learning is, is, is and it's, it's, I'm just kind of evolving on a couple of different levels, and, but it's also happening kind of vicariously through others, but you're absolutely right. We're sometimes, we're, capturing a reflection of ourselves mm-hmm. so, so it's really really period. i i want to because i know here in knox they they take a lot of pictures of people i, I want to know how you connect yeah. in, in in the aspects of what these fine photographers are, are speaking about yeah i was recently in brussels and i did a lot of uh, street portraits in brussels and uh, it was very excited because the people uh, that I talked and asked to took their street portrait, they were, first they were, they said, okay, you can take my portrait, no problem. So I took it and then I showed them the result on my display of my camera. And they were so excited about that and they were directly asked, can we see my, uh, your Instagram account or your email account to, to send the photos? So that's, already a uh, thing for me that I, I really like uh, that connection with the people and we were just talking about connection what I like also is the connection between our photographers what we are doing now at this moment 
uh, I feel it great uh, to have friendship, make friendship, uh, connection with other photographers, just like now to talk about uh, photography, about our work. But like we said, connected with people on the on the streets is also uh, yeah very important for me. I try to have uh, from to really characterize the persons, the, the character heads that I took photos of. I try to talk about them, about the history in life, where are they at this moment, what do they do, etc., uh, etc. Et and I like what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's give me, uh, yeah, how do you say it? Satisfied. I'm satisfied with that. Knox, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how do you connect? Um... There's, there's probably two points that I, I'd, I'd like to make. I, I'm not. I, I do take a lot of pictures of people. I do take a lot of portraits. I never ask if I can take somebody's portrait, but it's just not the style of photography. It would kill the. It would kill my style if I did that. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time just watching people, and um, I'm really interested in the fact that you know we photo, we photograph the extremes of human condition, but I find the the normal everyday just as interesting and you know everyday struggles quite fascinating and there's always moments where people pause and reflect and I find those reflective moments in everyday life really interesting photos to take and it doesn't happen very often and with with phones I mean it happened a lot more before but with phones they're very hard to find so I'm to me, that's kind of connecting with that sort of like the, the real person when they're not distracted by everything else that's going on in the world. So if there's a connection, I'd say that's what it is. I also just kind of wanted to touch on, I think somebody said about, you know, the frustration of, of going out and taking, you know, heaps and heaps and heaps of photos and not coming up with anything. And, um, you know, I, I think we've we've gone to this weird obsession in sort of like the modern era of photography that it's like every time you go out, you're going to take your you know your, your Mona Lisa, and <laughs> the reality is it's probably not going to happen. And mm-hmm. I, I do this little trick in my head sometimes where I, I take you know my favorite photographers, guys like Sebastian Segato or somebody like that, and I try as hard as I can to just picture as many of their photos as I can. And even the guys that I say, I love these guys, I struggle to get to six or seven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the greatest photographers in history, they're known for about, you know, maybe 10 photos, maybe 11 photos. And if you, you know, if you extract that out over a 30, 40, 50 year career, that's not a bloody good hit rate. So, and uh, and so like that, you know, when I hear people say, oh, I went out all day long and I didn't get one, it's like, well, that guy went all year long and didn't get one. So, <laughs> right, right, right. Suck it up. Different. <laughs> so Preston and then Adam, how, how do you connect with your subjects? How, how yeah. Mm, I mean, I, I, uh, I sort of take a similar approach. I, I feel that if I were to interact, then uh, would sort of kill the kill the opportunity or kill the scene. So, um, for the most part, it's, um, uh, you know, sort of a quiet and, and, uh, just sort of waiting options or just walk wandering and responding. But, um, uh, 
Yeah, I think that, um, you know, everybody kind of just has to find their own approach. And sometimes you, you try things that, 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 that don't work and you either keep trying or just abandon it. Uh, and that's, that's fine too. You know, you don't have to jam a, a square peg into a round hole. Um, um, if it's not working, it's okay to just move on to, to something else. But yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I'm more interested in, I guess, in, you know, sort of how, how I look at the world and how the world feels to me and, um, more so than what it actually is or what it actually looks like. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I, I think that, um, everybody, you know, um, has their own way of connecting with their subject matter, um, and I don't think there's any uh, right or wrong way to do it as long as um, uh, the ethics are there. You know, if you're, you're working ethically, you're not, you're not, um, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're not exploiting anybody or taking advantage of anybody. I think that's, um, that can be, that's a line we toe in street photography or this type of photography. And I think that's, really important to keep in mind when showing photos or taking photos is, um, is, uh, whether or not it, it's, uh, ethically you know, appropriate to take or share. Yeah. So I, I like how you said you got to know when to quit. I recently read something and it, and it was, com- uh, comparing like, you know, uh, winners never quit. Uh, but they said sometimes you have to know when to quit so you can start something else and win at that. So whatever you, someone's working on now, like you said, and you might not be winning at it, you have to know the right time if and when you should abandon it so you could begin something new and then hopefully win in that. So thanks for bringing that up. I'm glad you shared that. And then Adam, how how are you out there connecting? Well, there's been some great answers on this so far, and um, makes me feel like a shallow person listening to uh, <laughs> some of the ways you've answered this question. But I think, you know, um, like I guess, as Joel Merritt said, like I don't really want to bruise the scene by interacting with people. Um, and uh, I would I can safely say nearly every photo I've taken in the last year, I haven't spoken to the person. So for me, I don't really have a personal connection with the people in the photos. I generally like to capture... I'm more like trying to capture the scene and like the composition, colors, a moment. That's the kind of thing. And I'm, I like to shoot more rather than making a connection with a person. Also, I find I find the idea of stopping someone in the street to take their portrait is still a bit intimidating. But it's, uh, I have a few things I want to do this year, and portraits is something. I think maybe when it's spring and the sun's out a bit, and I'm a bit more positive, I think uh, I think I might give that a go. Um, I think for me, I think as Preston said, it's you know, it's really about you know knowing when to start making the, your connection with what you're doing, and like uh, you know, making sure you're capturing things the right way, you know, not exploiting people or um, you know you, you really want to try and ultimately try and make art. You're not there just to go take a photo of something because it looks funny and it's kind of look, taking a picture of someone in a bad light. It's really to try and kind of raise you know make a connection in other people looking at your photos rather than me having a connection with the, with the person in the photo. 
So I will say, you're right. London can be intimidating. I've been out there shooting, and I've seen people <laughs> get almost in altercations with, with the pho- photography out there. So uh, I will say, the more you do it, the easier it gets. In but, Europe, huh? Yeah, just be careful out there in London, because they do like to fight. Yeah, because especially in Europe, especially in Europe, it's not easy. Now, for example, in Belgium, if you go out for street photography... When you take a photo in Brussels from someone on the street, uh, you can be lucky that they still have your teeth in your mouth because the people here are very aggressive. So uh, you need to ask it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, muscles from Brussels. Yeah, muscles from Brussels. No, but uh, uh, I was with a photographer a few months ago in Brussels and I asked. 10 people to take the street portrait and I get 10 times the answer no yeah and uh, it was two weeks ago and then I had uh, from the 10 times I asked it 8 times yes so it's not easy and I remember two years ago I was with some photo friends in Antwerp and uh, one of my friends he never asked it so he went for a couple of young people and he took the photo and we went on walking, and uh, at what moment that young guy came behind him, he said, could you just take a photo from us? He said, yes, and then and the problem started, and he was getting very, very, very aggressive. Finally, the police had to come to, uh, <laughs> to keep him calm, and at that moment, he attacked the police. So we, they had to handcuff him, and they had to, to arrest him finally. So can you imagine, uh, here in Europe, it's not, uh, in Belgium, it's not easy. In France, it's different, I heard, and I have another experience in France, but uh, sometimes you have to be careful. I, I was once in the city in Brussels, and uh, I was pointing my camera to, uh, to a building, uh, and I wanted to photograph a scene from that building, and... There was a guy coming towards me. He was far away, huh? And uh, it was a huge guy, uh, uh, two meters high, uh, really bodybuilder type. And he came to me. I said, did you take a picture of me? I said, no, no, no. But you pointed your, your camera to me. I said, no, no, no. I pointed to the building. Finally, I had to show my camera to him uh, to not get into a fight. So, uh, it, it's not easy here. Yeah, you laugh at it, but... Uh, I would be an architect photographer, too. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy out there in the streets. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, man. Technically, he's a building. He was shaped like a building. So. Yeah, 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 okay. But uh, you can imagine uh, the experience that I sometimes have here in oh, yeah. Uh, Belgium. Uh, yeah, it's not yeah, easy. That's crazy. No. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. In New York, I've been in New York a few times. And, uh, it's not, uh, the people, they turn around, but they are not aggressive to you. They don't want to be photographed. Um, they don't make any complaint about that, finally. So, uh, well, in New York... I'm from New York, and New York, the yeah, hustle yeah. is it's too much. Like, they don't have time to deal with you. They got to move it. are like, that guy take my picture? Whatever, man. I got to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. That's why you get away with it in New York. So If yeah. someone's going to attack you, that guy's got no life. He's got nowhere to go. You're the, you're the most interesting thing for him. Yeah, yeah, but you're lucky to live in New York, huh? <laughs> I'm not. I'm lucky I made it out of New York. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> you're not anymore in New York, but <laughs> I, I went to California last fall, and uh, I think it was okay, October. Uh, I went with my girlfriend. We we uh, we flew out there. It was like the first time we flew out since, since the pandemic started. We had taken road trips, but it was always driving. And uh, but uh, uh, a cousin had given me a heads up already. He's like, uh, he well, he had mentioned to me. He's like, oh, you should uh, California. You should come here for a bit since my girlfriend's working from home. It's like there's a uh, there's a lot of jobs. There's like, uh, there's like, there's a lot of like, uh, uh, influencers or YouTubers wanting to like document their lives and, uh, <laughs> and they hire photographers and videographers. And I'm like, that's so silly. And I went to Santa Monica here and I'm serious. There was like five different groups of people who were like just following other people and just photographing and, and, and documenting like their lives. And it was just, and they would talk to the camera and everything. And it was, I, I found it so weird. I mean, I'm in Chicago and it's, it's, it's yeah. But uh, I mean, there's people that love having a camera on them. And I feel like in California or, or bigger cities, like in like Los Angeles or, or New York, where people are, are, if you take a photo of them, they, they will not mind it. They'll probably like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, now being in California right now and growing up in this place, like it, you say the right thing, you'll get, you know, people will pose and just be ready for yeah. whatever you're trying to give them. It's, um, it's kind of the way I think every place has its own culture. You know what I mean? Like in, you know, Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of beanies and, you know, flannel or whatever you want to call it. But in South Beach, there's a lot of tan lotion and, and bathing suits within Los Angeles. Everybody's an actor. <laughs> Everybody, oh, yeah. Everybody's trying to be in front of the camera. It's, it's a cultural thing. Um, you need a headshot. Happy experience. Oh, you need a headshot? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to, Ask this question next is, you know, since we all we all should be evolving to different techniques to learn more in photography. Um, is there anything that people are experimenting now that they haven't in the past, uh, fairly recent past, I would say? Uh, I will say looking at Don Stevie's work and then re- recently, I don't know why, but Tony over here just kind of... Uh, he kind of inspired me to put my flash on my camera. So there's my little context TL 200. Um, and um. I, was, I was practicing with uh, the shatter, the shutter drag. And I know the technique. I've done it before, but it just was something I've never done. Uh, but, you know, evolving, learning, mastering. I took this photo yesterday. Uh, and, yeah, it's actually on the inside. Cool. Um. That is very cool. The light doesn't do it any. I'm trying to. Yeah. I got. Oh, that's my next podcast. I got to record after this. So. But, anyways, yeah. Is there anything people are new techniques that you're working on? Technique. I got. I just picked up a flash and I'm going to play with that. Oh, oh. Flash is the SF24E. I've been looking for it. So that's up to see. Um, Ooh, nice. And, and see what it does. I, I've historically just, you know, been out there in the world and catching what it is. Um, but uh, through natural light. And, um, but I've never introduced flash. So that's, that's new for me right now. Yeah. I t- told Cl- Craig Clark that that's something that I've been contemplating as well as John Hendrick I, I've, that, uh, that I've contemplated on doing a, working with a flash as well. Just a little bit. Something different. 
Maybe it's in the air right now, dude. Everybody's on the flash thing. I love it. Right. Gotta go buy a flash. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Hey, just, so, just remember the uh, Panasonic anybody got a flash and the Leica. Yeah. Anybody got a flash out there they don't need? Hey, I did want to ask, since we're talking about styles and stuff, uh, Knox, when you do your double exposures, are you like already preemptive thinking which two images? Or are you like, when you go back and you, I see you have all your slides there or all your film there, or do you like go through all of them and see what works together? And if it's a secret, you don't gotta you don't gotta expose your No, secret. no, I'm happy I'm happy to talk about it. Like, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of different techniques going on there, so it's not it's not one particular. A lot of those double a lot of those double exposures are actually reflections um off of signs in the city. So a lot of them are just single exposures. Oh wow. That's, um that's even more I do have and, and then I I also have, you know, I've got film cameras that take double exposures. So sometimes, you know, they are in camera double exposures. I play around. Well, I mean, you can see, you guys you can see it on a podcast, but I'm always experimenting. Like, this is where I am at the moment mm-hmm. inside of that's a, that's a room. working room right there. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, and I play around with different techniques in the dark room to create stuff as well. So there's a whole bunch of different things going on there, to be honest. Okay. But you get, when you start playing around with it a lot, like if anybody's interested in that sort of work, the, the really important thing is visualizing light on dark all the time. So like if you're looking at, at patterns, you've got, to, you've got to see a scene and see light, dark, light, dark, and then the exact opposite in the scene that you're going to have to add to it, right? Yeah. On, or even a reflection, like if it's a reflection off the side, otherwise it doesn't work. Yeah, they get, so they get like drowned out, right? Yeah, so what you're kind of looking to do is line up like a light phase on a dark part. And even if you're looking at reflections, you line it up until you get the light phase based on the dark part. But in a double exposure, when you're you're doing the same thing, you, you're trying to maneuver the parts into where you kind of visualize where that would be on a piece of film, I suppose. Very cool. And the other thing I would say is, you know, for everyone that works, is like 7,000 that don't work. <laughs> bit, yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about that bit, right? Yeah, yeah. Very cool. I was just, I was just looking at it, and I was like, man, like, there's so, like you said, there's so many ways. I was like, I was really interested in how you went about it, especially since you had the film strips right in front of you. So. Just like yeah, it. yeah. And so, yeah, all kinds of different ways. Very cool. So who else got? Well, some I questions? just picked up the. Oh, no, 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 I got another question. Go ahead. I was just gonna. The the only new thing I got going on is that uh, I picked up the two forty six. So trying to live in that monochrome mm-hmm. world right now. Yeah. Do you uh, get right your, there, right your highlights there. versus your shadows? Right there. You know, just yeah, just blowing out highlights. You know, just going through it. <laughs> There's no recovering those. <laughs> gone forever. Yeah, just going through the process. It's been a fun 24 hours, but whatever. It's yeah. cool. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you know just another venture. Just uh, it's different though. It really is different. So, so it, it does. It makes you yeah, it really see photography different. differently. You got. You can't capture it the same as you would with a normal camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
I think what I was saying, I was trying to explain this was I was telling someone like, even though your other cameras, like any other camera could do, you know, the JPEG black and white and whatever, it's just the, the accessibility of always being able to default to color. It's just, I think that's what's different. Like I can go out there and be like, oh, I'm going to shoot black and white today. And then I'll see like a red shirt or something. And I'd be like, oh, let me get that. You know, like, and just like not having that flexibility is kind of crazy. But what I will say is my buddy was telling me, he was like, Oh, it's going to be amazing not to worry about color. I don't think that's necessarily true because, you know, monochrome in the whole sense of the scheme is just a hue, right? It's like light blue to dark blue, or we just think of it as black and white. So I was like, no man, I don't think so. Because like, I still was paying attention to like a lady with like a light pink shirt walking in the shadow. Like that, there was going to be contrast, right? Like, or if she has a really red shirt and I think it's a good shot, but she's in the shadow. I know that's just going to drown itself out. So like you got to still conceptually, I think look at color, you know what I mean? Like color is still a factor. It's just not the complementary color in in sense of color theory, I guess. It's just more of just thinking hues. I don't know. It's Mm -hmm. it's been, it was a crazy three hours yesterday walking around. Yeah. So (sighs) for me, it's kind of different. Like, cause I've been shooting black and white so long. I don't even see color anymore. I'm not interested anymore. But I I do see it. It just doesn't interest me because I know my, my sensor is not going to capture it, right? I'm like, oh, if I was a color shooter, that would be a great shot. And then I just keep walking. Uh, so for anyone else who out there who shoots a mono, I think here, uh, Knox, you shoot a Q2M sometimes, I believe. And I believe Preston no, shoots. Uh, I I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I shoot a Leica M10 and a Leica M9. Okay. So my work is almost uh, black and white that I produce. Yeah, but the photos that I take are color photos. But on my screen, I the GPEG, uh, the black and white resolution. Oh, yeah, yeah. But afterwards, afterwards, I do it open. I put the, the files on my um, desktop. Mm-hmm. I get rid of the GPEGs and then I watch the, the color fashion, the raw, the raw files and I make a selection and yeah, 90%, almost 90, 90% is always black and white, but sometimes I have a color, but I, I see in black and white, just like Ricky said, I see everything in black and white and, and, and that's what I like and that's what I love and that's what I want to do. It gives me uh, satisfaction, black and white. Uh, it gives me a special feeling, a special emotion inside of me. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I have another question about that um, for everybody, especially, you know, Knox and Ingrid and, you know, monochrome shooters in general. What I, ha- I was told one a reason um, as to why we're so enthralled by black and white. And I like the, I like what I was told, but I'm interested to hear like what draws, you know, you guys to black and white photography. Like what, what things do you, cause I love black and white photography too. If anything, I'm actually trying to learn how to shoot color better right now. I, I love black and white photography for nostalgic reasons. Stylistically, it looks better to me, but um, like what draws you guys to black or black and white photography? Can I, can I go first? Um, um, um. I'm sorry. Mine's, mine's will be short. So, so for me, it, it's, you capture, the light is different, right? And, and what I mean by that is when you, when you look at it, 
on the back of your camera after you capture it. If I was to show you a picture I, I took on my M10P, it wouldn't look the same. And then I'll show you why. Um, and this was a photo I took earlier. Oh, sorry. Put the clip. This was a photo I, I took. It went back on again. All right. I took this. So I know how to read the light. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, if I was to capture that on the M10P, it wouldn't be the same. Right. So uh, yep. the thing I like about the monochrome is the 56,000 shades of gray that you don't get when you shoot with color. So, again, I don't see color anymore. I just see black and white and it's highlights and shadows. So that's my answer. And I believe, Knox, you were going... Yeah, you know, that's a, that's all right. I, I jump in. I just answer both those questions. The first one is like, you know, seeing, I, I mean, I, I've just always shot black and white. And I, I can remember I was being interviewed by Leica a couple months ago, and they were talking about the Q2M, and they said, well, how do you like the black and white viewfinder? I said, it doesn't have a black and white viewfinder. <laughs> yes, you didn't even realize it. <laughs> I had to go in pick up the camera and go, oh shit, yeah, it does actually have a black and white I didn't even, I didn't know it was, pretty good. Just, it, it didn't even occur to me. And that's the, um, that's it, that's the you know, right there. Just leave it like that, bro. <laughs> but the, <laughs> but I, I think, I think I kind of, I, I don't see in color, but I also don't necessarily see in black and white. I think I'm seeing in shapes of how things interrelate to each other. But the, the, um, the, what was the other question? The other question was, uh, I think just what, like, you know, what draws, like, you, to yeah, 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 draws you to it? Yeah. It's, it's three thirty AM. My brain's kind of gone into oh, one no. question at a time. Well, the, um, it, I, for me, I think there's, there's different types of photographers and it really depends on, and, and ultimately you've got, you know, photographers that are trying to represent reality and then there's photographers that are trying to get far away from reality and, and represent their own reality. And I look at a color photograph is, is always two, two steps away. If you control the color well, you know, you've, you've, first of all, you've made it 2D and you've scaled it. But a black and white photograph is always three steps away, whether you like it or not. And, you know, you've, you've, made it 2d you've scaled it and you've taken the color away and so automatically you're going into a whole different interpretation of, of a world because it doesn't exist in that form right and i think it does give you some artistic freedom that color doesn't that's exactly the point that was made um when i was talking or when they were i, I went to the asc master class i'm a i'm a cinematographer i'm and we go to the ASC Masterclass of the American Society of Cinematographers, and they had this section where they were talking about, you know, it, it, they're always talking about cameras, that's what we're, you know, a tool. But they were talking about how with black and white images, without color information, like we see a representation of life or of the world, but we don't have the color information to tell us what we're seeing. So innately we're specifically scanning the image in a different way to understand what we're seeing because it's not how we see the world in front of us. I think and it's, I think it's like, a really good point. 
particularly when you're looking at portraits, because when you look at a black and white portrait, you scan for what's recognizable, which is often the features in somebody's face and their emotion, which is why a lot of black and white portraits seem to have a heightened sense of emotion over potentially some color photos, where when you scan color, I think automatically your brain goes to recognizable things like, you know, a label on a shirt or an, an ad or the right. McDonald's sign in the background or something like that rather than instantly yeah. have emotion. So I think there's a, a subconscious level to how you read a photo and, a, and your brain reads a black and white photo different to a color one, whether we realize we're doing that or not. Right. Right. So Preston, he's That's a, hook, he's a HP five shooter out there. So you live in the world of black mm. and white film. Uh, how would you like to answer this? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm color curious, but, uh, you know, haven't, uh, <laughs> vicarious. <laughs> is this the color vicarious through you guys? Oh my God. He's coming over the closet tonight. Colors coming up. Yeah. Yeah. You heard it here. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I just awesome. can't get it to work for me just yet. And, and and part of it is too, you know, I shoot weddings for a living and, and most of the, you know, what I deliver uh, to clients is probably like 75% color. So color does feel sort of like a little more like commercial or utilitarian for me. I don't, you know, that my work, I enjoy looking at color work. I like Stephen Shore and William Eggleston and, uh, Alex so yeah, you know, I, I, I still find inspiration through, through their work, but every, I just can't, I've yet to, to really understand, uh, color. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I like what, uh, uh, Knox said about, uh, you know, sort of that third layer of, of separation from reality that the black and white can offer, um, and I think it, I appreciate the nostalgia, or I guess the timelessness of black and white, you know, right. how, um, if, if there's not a, you know, a, a modern car or modern clothing or something or modern, t- you know, there's something has to be modern in the, in the photo to date the image, but if you can avoid that, then, then, uh, the images can kind of transcend time, uh, if it's in black and white, I think. Um, so yeah, and certainly I, I like autonomy, you know, and, and black and white film offers that as opposed, you know, color film is a lot uh, more difficult to work with uh, in, in your own home uh, with the mm-hmm. chemistry and the temperature control and things like that. So, you know, I can develop a roll of film in my bathroom and, and scan it with my DSLR and invert it and kind of get to have the best of both worlds in terms of working uh in film and digital or whatever, and, and being able to kind of still get that feedback in a reasonable time. And, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just can't get color to work, but I do enjoy looking at color and still try to mess around with it on occasion. Yeah. It's cool. Cause but the to, black and white is timeless, isn't it? Like just, if you catch it the right way, like you wouldn't even know when, the picture was taken or why. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I mean, there's a portrait I took over here of this girl. This is like 2019. Um, 
is right oh, there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> She's just like, this, this was like Los Angeles, 2019. And she just was wearing her, um, the traditional wear of her family and her culture. Um, but then I showed this picture to her, I gave this picture to her and then she's like, holy crap, that looks like, you know, ancestry and all yeah. that. And, you know, it's, it's really cool what black and white does in that regard. Really, really cool. That is cool. I, I don't know if it writes off the same way in color. Well, I'm just, I, the last point, I, I don't think that that picture would have hit the same way in color. I just, I don't. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think my crutch and maybe someone listening on this is, um, you know, my dad, uh, really liked to paint. And so I was just always around it. And then as I got older, you know, like me being from New York, I, I, I worked at the mat for like six years. So I spent a lot of time, like lunch breaks or walking around, just walking around, looking at paintings and stuff. So color somehow has embedded itself in my brain. And I don't know if someone listening out there is going, it goes through the same thing I have, but for me to transition to black and white is a big move. Cause I mean, I'm just used to seeing like, I, yeah, I'm just used to seeing color and, you know, looking at how these painters did, you know, put these colors together. And, you know, I even had books on like looking at their hues and their color palettes and stuff because it just, I was always into it, you know, and, but transitioning to black and white, it truly is like everything you guys have said. It's just timeless. It's, it's another, it's just different. It's the way you capture it, the way you make people focus on the image, what they focus on. It's cool. And I mean, obviously it's something I wanted to try if I, or else I wouldn't have bought the camera I just got, but, um, it's definitely a venture. So we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out. But what a question. anyone listening, it didn't hurt. Yeah. Try black and white. Go ahead. Adam. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead Adam. Sorry, sorry. I was just wondering, like, do you think, um, if let's say when, when film was invented or like television sets and everything, if they just started with color and like didn't go to black and white first, would people still want to shoot black and white today? Is it, or is it just because it's like, uh, kind of bringing you back to the kind of historic ways of looking at things? Good question. I think people would want to do it more because it'd be different. It'd you be know? New. Yeah. It'd be the new thing. Like, Oh, everybody did color. You know, black and white is the new thing. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. a good question. That's I never really considered that. Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be like color was perceived, right? Like yeah. all the black and white guys didn't like color. They didn't think that was photography, you know, could be taken that way too. It could be like, Oh, they're doing black and white. They can't handle color. <laughs> you can reverse Preston's. <laughs> that is a good question. You can reverse Preston's yeah. statement. Uh, I'm black and white curious. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's a good question now. Yeah. yeah, just take Joel Meyerowitz for example, right? He shot black and white, and he he just like he grew out of it, right? Because he's like, we see the world in color, right? So yeah, he he even went yeah. through a phase where he was taking um, identical photos, same same like location, same moment. He had two cameras, one was black and white, and one was color, and he, that's how he was comparing them and and getting like, I guess feedback from who he was showing them. Yeah. yeah. He shot 8x10 also. He shot what? He shot 8x10 also a lot. I don't know if people know that. <laughs> well, I think you're talking a lot about, like, um, you know, 
just understanding the art and actually contributing to the art. Like, like you know, Hudson was talking about having best of both worlds, shooting those negatives with a digital camera, and you know, we're talking about what would come first and if people would use what um, black and white if color came first. And if you're really into the art, I think you're going to grab as much of it as possible and see what what is possible. Um, like the movie Dune, right? They just came out. Uh, Greg Fraser shot it. He's just a ridiculous cinematographer. Um, but the way that they shot that, they shot it digitally. Yeah. Um, on one of the large format digital cameras, but then they projected it to film uh, and then processed the film so that they had an added layer of that. It's called the digital intermediate and it offers a different look. So it's just like understanding like, okay, we could probably use this technology to do this, that, and the other. So I think we'd eventually get into co- to black and white if we started with color. And we can also just, you know, just play with it like we have. You know, we're, we're doing all kinds of stuff. It's, it's more just embracing that art yeah. and going, going deeper into it, I guess. Knox, you do something similar, right? You, you When we were speaking, you were saying how you would take, like, images from your phone and try to expose them onto film. Sorry, say that again. Uh, you you do something similar, like when we when we had our conversation, you would say you were taking images from your cell phone and you were exposing film with it, correct? Yeah. So what I, what I do from time to time in my larger is I'll take I'll take the whatever photo that's a digital photo, and quite literally, I'll just put my phone in here. And then normally where you've got a light from a larger going down onto to paper, black oh, and white paper, oh, I've got the phone shining through the lens and I literally just focus the lens on the phone screen and then project the image from the phone onto black and white paper. And you can kind of see like that's what, like this one's a, that's straight from my phone. That one's straight from my phone. Okay. Um, Does it flip the image? Would the image be inverted then? See? Look at, see? Master well, I got. I have to invert the image first. So you take the like I take the image from the yeah. Q2M, and then I just invert it on the phone, which that creates a negative. But like a, a modern iPhone is like a six by nine negative. It's like a a big medium format negative. So when you you project it, it works. And the reason why it works with the technology is the new modern old LED technology, yeah. rather than the the black oh. being like light blue, the actual the actual pixel shuts off. And so when you shine it onto black and white paper, you don't have any light. Where you take an old phone, pre-iPhone 12, without that technology, and it just comes up this sort of messy kind of gray color on paper because the pixels are always on. But with modern technology, you can create these digital digital negatives. Um, you know, and they're, they're pretty good. Like I'd have to get out, you know, I'd have to get out a magnifying glass to see the, the pixels on that's amazing. That is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and that I is. will shut my mouth. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Everybody, that is but cool. it's, it's an interesting sort of technology because you know, like I think there's there's room where these like old and new techniques can be combined, and I think there is a future in combining these old and new techniques into something pretty unique. Um, and you can obviously then do things on your phone in editing that you couldn't do with your hands on paper. 
and so you like some of the photos that you create are are different to what you could ever create with a piece of film as well. Yeah. But I'm gonna I mean, I commend you because it takes a lot for people to step out, you know, and to be accepting of, you know, what, where we are. Right? Some people are so um, committed to like film or, you know, against film that they don't, they don't open themselves up to the possibilities of combining the two, I guess. So that's really cool. I'm telling you, this group of people that I'm speaking to had me change my mind. Like, who would have ever thought of using a cell phone to expose their their printer paper on the larger? I don't know the correct term. That's but crazy. It, but there you go. Like, you think Joel Meyerowitz ever thought about that in the 70s? Elliot Erwitt? Right. This is I know Die Hard. Now, I know Preston Die Hard down analog. There. <laughs> Preston's down there like, oh, I'm going to start shooting digital. I don't need to shoot film anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need to wait a whole year to develop rolls of film. I got it instantly. Walk around with his iPhone. Yeah. Like a a group picture um, with a digital, with a film camera of this green setting. I think that that's going to be a mixture of technology that's going to be kind of hilarious. Oh, you got the that six was seven. Damn, you brought out the wood handle. The wood handle costs more than the camera. <laughs> the, the Volvo. Yeah. That wood handle costs more than the camera for sure. That's why I don't have it. <laughs> what was that? So, I love the shutter sound. That shutter sound sucks. Yeah. I think it's uh, oh, yeah. If you stand in front of it, you'll feel the wind blow. <laughs> <laughs> rumor has it, yeah. rumor that, has it that handle's actually made out of um, cherry blossom tree wood. Really? Oh, for real? Yep. That's Japanese wow. uh, engineering for you fellas. That's, now I gotta go get a wooden handle. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pay like 500 for him now. I see him all the time. And At least, yeah. I'm telling you, YouTube did something to the camera world out there. All these, the, that handle, I saw it the cheapest Everything before is I got right this, into a 6.7 was like 40 $60. Now, four or 500. <laughs> but that's if you have yeah. the, the hot shoe mount with the, the wire. They have the cold shoe and then they have the, the hot shoe. So depending on the version you get, you're gonna pay a lot of money. Bro, I couldn't even get the 105. I shoot with a 90 on that. <laughs> the 105 is so expensive. Chaz, I, I'm telling you, Chaz, I told Chaz my story when I got my 67. I got the 105 for free. It came with the camera. Yeah, you know how right, much I paid. Right, right, right. You know how much I paid for it? I'll I'll tell the world. The second one? Because you bought two. Yeah, right? the set, well, right, I have exactly. I have a third one, yeah. but the second one, yes. Um, I paid, you ready for this? $350 for the Pentax 6.7 with the 105. That's retarded. Now it's like a grand. Easy. Yeah. yeah. The lens alone is a grand. That's so stupid. Yeah. Well, that's like me and freaking, uh, Greg with the stupid X-Pans. Mm-hmm. Those damn things are like, don't get rid of Jesus them. Christ. Hold so on to it. So, it's the greatest. I mean, it's not the greatest camera of all time, but it's it's, it's, it's fun. It's spectacular. It's um, spectacular. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
All right, fellas. Um, I have another podcast <clears throat> I have to record soon, so I'm going to take a nap before I get into that one. But before I do, I, I don't mind staying up a little longer. Not to go to bed. Not, yeah. not to fall asleep twice, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I didn't have questions anymore, guys. I think our, our last question Absolutely. woke him up. I could see he's, he's uh, energized over there. But yeah, if anyone yeah. else has any questions that they want to ask anyone that's participating here, uh, feel free. I, I don't mind. I, I, I'll stay up all night. I'll pull it all nighter like I'm back in college, so. Quick question, Knox. Do you know Christian uh, Downley? Uh, I I know the name. I don't know him personally, though. I know I've never met him. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, he's he's um, based pretty much based in Melbourne, but he does. I'm not sure if he still does a lot of stuff in Thailand, but he's uh he's he's a like a shooter. Not he's work like. I'm not sure if he's a, an ambassador or not, but um. I, I know him from, from L.A., just covering uh, red carpets and stuff like that. But he he was, used to live in L.A., but he's moved back to, uh, to, to Australia. Okay, cool. Yeah. And will you be in, a, you'll be in Australia next year? Yeah, I, I, covered, I, I covered tennis. I'm a professional tennis uh, photographer. So I usually come out for the Australian Open. I'm usually in Australia from January, well, maybe sometime, sometimes the end of... End of um, end of Je- end of December. Please forgive me. End of December to like the whole month of January. Uh, so sometimes anywhere. I think the most I've spent is five weeks in Australia. So sometimes okay. I'll work in Brisbane, uh, Adelaide, and then always there's a couple lead up uh, events, but always covering the Australian Open. And uh, so I'm there for for basically three weeks to rotate. So. Yeah, I last year I didn't come out just because this uh, because it was just so crazy. And this year uh, went through the process and, and kind of made a last minute decision. Not so much because of COVID, but just I'm just kind of dealing with some stuff with my mom, taking care of her, stuff like that. So I just kind of, I just felt more comfortable not going this year. But yeah, prior prior to the up to 2020, so 2020 I, I did like nine, well all the Grand Slams, so nine nine Grand Slams. Uh, Australia and open so in other fours uh-huh. as well. So yeah, I'm out all the time. And, well, and fantastic. We'll get in touch. Get in touch if you're going to be over here and yes, touch base. And, and now I kind of I've just followed you on Instagram, so now I kind of know exactly who you are because I remember your um, your Q2 piece for Leica that I saw uh, Q2M, I should say, and, and I sent that video to John. So just kind of seeing some stills and stuff. Yeah. I, re- I remember coming across. Which is real funny. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so cool. So yeah, I, I love the link up. And even when I'm in London and stuff like that with, uh, with Wimbledon, I love the link up with some guys and stuff too. Okay, guys. Yeah, so you guys, are you in? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Please. Please. Oh, I just want to... Uh, Say that I soon have a meeting for who is interesting. I have a meeting in Portugal, Porto. It's a street photography, a photographer's meeting uh, from Saturday the 19th to Sunday the 20th of March. So uh, oh, feel free uh, for people if you want to come or not. Uh, if you pause in Europe, I know for some uh, you're from other continents, it's difficult. But you never know if you pause in Europe. Feel free to contact me so you can join us. 
Uh, it's a, a small international group. We have some street photographers from uh, Portugal, Belgium, Austria, Turkey, who are coming. Maybe Ali. some from France, yeah, Germany. I'm trying to... When, when, when did you so, say that uh, was? What, what day? <laughs> it's on the 19th March, uh, Saturday the 19th March, and Sunday uh, the 20th March. Uh, it's, the object is to have a small group from... 10, maximum 15 people. Uh, we're going to have two days full-time street photography. Uh, also, it's not only Leica people. The people who are coming from outside of Portugal, they use the Leica, like me. Uh, but some street for, local street photographers, they use other equipment. But just to inform you, uh, feel free to contact me uh, if you want more details. Uh, I'm happy to give it. It's cool. It's completely free to join us. Okay? Excellent. Thank you. Amazing. Yes, yeah, same note. Well, um, there's a uh, photo festival that's going to be happening in Pierre in Vert, France, which is in the south of France. It's happening in July. Um, yeah. I'll be attending that because last November, I participated in one of their sister photo photography festivals in Selma, Alabama. Uh, ended up winning that Oh, festival. yeah. And they're sending me out to France to do this, to, to hang out with the people in France. But that is another photo festival that's open to anybody um, that's willing to enter. I think it's called the Photographic Night with Piaver. Um, I can pass along the the uh, the website for that. But you know, it's just something to do. You know, if you want to put your photos out there and and go to France in July. Huh? So I might try to hey. send the link. 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 John, that that's um, the uh, great uh, a young lady, a Moroccan photographer. I know you were going to say Heba. Yeah, Heba yeah. that we met in Morocco. We met in, in Cuba. Cuba in 2020. She worked that event last year in, mm. in the south of France. If I'm not mistaken, it's I could be wrong. Is it the first or second year that they've had that, or has it been ongoing for quite some time? Oh, so the the one in Selma, this is the second year. Well, okay. Last year was the second year. They have the one in Morocco, which I think is the eighth year. And then the one in France is in like its 16th year. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah she worked at it, and it looked like a really, it was a really, really cool um, festival. I went to their link and saw some of the things that they had there, some some of the people that were exhibiting there and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would love to, to, see, it, to see a link for that. Yeah, I just threw it up in the chat for you guys okay. right there. Oh, um, sorry, it's Pierre Notes photographic. Yeah, right. exactly. It should be pretty cool. I mean, the the, the person his name is Stephen Kaufman. He's a photographer. He shoots a lot of stuff at Cannes uh, and has his own personal projects. But he's a really good dude, Frenchman, tall. Um, really, like, he's about people. You know what I mean? So he he kind of took me in. Uh, as we went to Selma, because he did the whole show pretty much on his own during COVID, there there was not a lot a lot of help from uh, a lot of his people couldn't come into the country at that time. But um, yeah, it's just you know it's just a chance to get out, and he's looking for people to participate. And you know, why not? Why Let's not? do it. I'll go there. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, Jazz, are you in LA? Right? Are you in LA? No, no I'm in I'm in. Uh, Southern Maryland, just out about 15, well, 15, 20 minutes from downtown D.C. But uh, in covering mostly sports, 
I also used to cover a lot of entertainment stuff. So I would come out yeah. for Oscar week, uh, do Vanity Fair Oscar party. Um, Victoria's Secret. Victor, well, yeah. So runway fashion stuff. I've done four four Victoria's Secrets. Uh, I think probably four Vanity Fair Oscar parties. And usually for Oscar week, I'd come out on Tuesday and then cover a whole bunch of the events leading up to. Uh, so even uh, what's the, the one that they have on the beach there, um, uh, Independent Film Festival uh, Awards and stuff like that cover those as well so and then a lot of parties and stuff like that uh just cover all that for a whole Oscar weekend leave Monday yeah Monday morning so uh yeah that's just doing a lot of some agency work that I was doing we just I cover my doctor's birthday events and meetings <laughs> that's awesome yeah, yeah. I'm just saying I'm just saying putting it out there guys yes cool. anybody else I'm all linked up to you guys now. I'll hit you guys yeah, up later. I, I just like everybody's, uh, maybe, uh, just, I, I think we're all following each other, but it'd be cool yeah. if maybe like Ricky or somebody could put everybody's handles in the, in the IG or something, or mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be cool to just yeah. make sure we're following everybody. Uh, this was really great. Uh, yeah. I will. I'm going to leave this room open. So if you guys just want to type your handles, you can get it now. Um, yeah. Honestly, I think if you type all your your names under my following in Instagram, all you will pop up. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> got it. I, I got put it, it up anyway. It I got it too. Yeah. Cool. Great, great. Well, right. so yeah, but I'm already. I uh, want to thank everybody. There was supposed to be a lot more, but life happens. And some no-shows, but it is what it is. Um, I, hey, this, isn't, again, man. this isn't a one-time deal. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I'm, I'm going to keep hosting these. I'm going to keep sending out invites. So anybody who's listening, um, feel free to join. Uh, again, this the name, Like a Street Photography Collective. But street photography, right? So you could be a street photographer, and if you want to join, you're more than welcome. I got the premium Zoom account, so there's no time limit. I could host up to 300 people. Uh, there's that, too. So, um, yeah, this is That it. could be good this, or bad with this group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't, you know, uh, it's, it's all for Everybody fun. listening, not. ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがとうございました。ありがと